It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. And I'm Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock on this August 21st, seven days out from the start of the college football season. Mr. Tate is in preseason form, rounding <laughs> into uh, season opening form here by next week. How are you doing this morning? Doing good. Ready to get after it. We're going to talk some football this morning. The phone line is open all throughout uh, the show. Our scheduled guest today, our former Illini coach, football coach Ron Turner, who will join us coming up in a few minutes. Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer will be with us as well. Jay Lehman at the uh, top of the uh, 10 o'clock hour to talk some Big Ten and Illinois football. And Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated will also be here. In the meantime, plenty of time for your calls as we get ready to uh, bring in game week. That'll come up. The uh, Illinois football team last uh, night, or yesterday, I guess it was, did a kind of a dress rehearsal game day situation at the stadium. They had their last full contact uh, scrimmage earlier in the week. So all things are pointing to uh, that Nebraska game in which the Cornhuskers come in about a touchdown favorite, seven-point favorite. Yeah, I think that's... uh I, I don't know how to judge the game. I think it's a toss-up game, but uh, naturally, uh, North, uh, you know, Nebraska's always considered the favorite, even though Illinois overran them last year. People seem to forget that, don't they? And well, the folks in Lincoln, I'm sure, have forgotten that already. But <laughs> it, it, I don't know if they have or not. They're, they're not happy with the way things are going. And if Illinois would happen to win this game, it would be a monumental blow to Nebraska, who, by the way, they're not bringing as many people as usual, so... There's, you know, the 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 coronavirus and and just the, the general attitude right now at in Nebraska. They're just not going to travel the way they. Yeah, have. I'm interested to see how the crowd's going to be early on in this. Um, you know, Jason uh, Hagemeyer told us that he thought it would be somewhere in the thirty thousand range. You know, thirties. Yeah. That leaves uh, leaves a little bit of leeway there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how people show back up. Well. My first inclination is to think, you know, we've lost so many fans over the years, and it's steadily fallen down to where the last three, four years it's been in the 30,000s. Right. And so I don't know if a new coach would bring that up, but everything is is kind of fouled by the COVID, uh, you know, involvement. And I I don't know – I don't know how – if Illinois could win a couple games early, would that really – draw uh, more fans for the middle part of the season. And there's a lot of question about, uh, do I need to wear a mask? Where, where do I, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, what we know is there's no mask mandate at That's the stadium. Right. That's right. However, if I was going to the game as a fan, and even in the radio booth, I'll have a mask in my pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there might be times when you need that. Especially well, when, if you, you, when you get up from your uh, from your position there and walk back into the uh, right. the stadium area there in the press area, you got to wear a mask. Right. 
we uh, have an open air radio booth, so that mm-hmm. that helps that. But yeah. in other words, if you're in the uh, stands and you're going to a concession stand and you have to stand in line, I'd say put the mask on. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to tell you to, but for your own safety, why wouldn't you do that? There might be somebody tell you to. Well, maybe. I picked up some food the other day at a Mexi- Mexican restaurant, and the woman, and I, all I did was pick it up and, and, you know, step in, pick it up, and leave. And the woman behind says, put your mask on. <laughs> <laughs> so the, there might be somebody tell you. <laughs> what, did you put it on? Well, I was in and out so fast. Uh, I wonder I, what. Know, uh, I did have a mask, but I, I didn't have it on. I thought maybe you'd ask for her ID as a mask police well, person. Well, no, it's, <laughs> you know, that's what she believes. That's okay. I'm not going and argue i just get in and out i don't know that i would uh at any point tell somebody else what to do well, like that no i you know if i want to i'm when i go to the grocery now again again i'm me, wearing i'm wearing yeah, me too yeah so i just think it's smart but as far as a football game that's outside did you notice that they had the uh eight thousand or so illinois freshmen uh at the stadium Brad Bielma talked to them, as the coaches do. They were all packed in together, and there weren't many masks there. No, no. Well, I don't think uh, teenagers, upper teenagers, probably are not as concerned as they should be. If he could get all 8,000 of those at the game, he wouldn't, he wouldn't yeah. care yeah. about that. That's right. 9.05, this is Lionel Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Happy to welcome back to the program our friend Ron Turner, former Illini football coach. Good morning, Ron. How you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you guys doing? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. We're looking forward to seeing you uh, a week from now. Talk a little bit about that coming back. Has it been 20 years since that uh, <laughs> Big Ten championship team? Un- unbelievable. And, and I heard you guys talking about the student freshmen being in the stands, and that brought back memories as well because I remember doing that my first year there. They were all in the stands and uh, seeing all them, so it did bring back some memories because I remember I told them, I said, come to our games, come support us, because we, we will win the Big Ten Championship before you leave. And if they were in a five-year program, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, so. you know what? We have two freshman classes this year because last year's freshmen couldn't come to the games. So that, that's, a, that's a double group you know, that we have to yeah. draw from at least no, this year, Ron. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll, they'll you know, get in the habit of getting behind it and going to the games and you know, make it part of their experience because they should should be part of their college experience. Well, I know next week will be fun for you, and we'll talk more about that as we move along. But uh, get us up to date on what you've been doing, where you're living, how the family is, and such. Well, we're we are living in uh, North Carolina, about 25 minutes north of Charlotte on Lake Norman, and um, beautiful lake up here. We were I was with the Panthers in '17 as a consultant and. Just decided that that was enough. Ron offered me a two-year regular coaching contract to stay on, and I just said, "No, Ron, I'm done." And um, so we bought a house here, and we um, we love it. We love it. You know, the airport is not far, about 25 minutes. We can get on and head out to California to see, you know, the kids or Arizona to see Cameron or whatever. You know, so um, we're enjoying it. And of course, you've always followed Illinois football. You were instrumental, I think, in. Uh, getting uh, Josh Whitman and Lovey Smith uh, to the table to uh, to begin that uh, regime here and get that started. But what do you think of uh, Brett Bielma? Do you know him at all? I know him a little bit. You know, I've gotten to know him better, actually, since he got the job. We've talked several times, and um, I, I, think it's, I think it's a great hire. I think he's going to do a really good job. We've got a lot of respect for him, knowing him, obviously, from when he was at Wisconsin and then he went to Arkansas. 
But, um, you know, I like the style of football that he's always played and what he brings to the table. I mean, he will bring a toughness and uh, accountability to, you know, to all, to all the guys and everything on and off the field. And I think he's, I think he's what, what they need. And like I said, I've talked to him several times. I actually came in a few months ago and was in Champaign and went in his office, sat down, talked to him for a while, toured the facilities, which are unbelievable. But I uh, talked to him and actually talked to the staff, went in and talked to the staff and answered, talked, got some, told them what my thoughts were and got some questions from them and everything. So it was good. But I really, I really like what he's doing. And um, I think Illinois is going to surprise a lot of people this year because, you know, he's going to bring what they need and got a very experienced team coming back. Tough question for you, Ron. What happened with Lovey, do you think? Why did that not work better? You know, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, I wasn't there close enough. I didn't go to any of the games. I watched some of them. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I know, you know, they recruited pretty well, had some had some good talent. You know, they could, they could get up and play a good game like they went against Wisconsin and uh, when it was at 19, 2019. And then, um, you know, three straight wins there at that point. So it just couldn't sustain it. But I don't know, you know, what it was. You probably know better than me. You know, maybe just his, you know, being in the pros so long and treating the guys, you know, you treat them different. It's a little bit different in the NFL than it is in college and maybe had trouble with that adjustment. You know, I don't, I really, you know, you again, you know better than I do. Well, I don't, you know, I think we're all wondering. It, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but, uh, uh, you know, it just it, it just never uh, worked out, and I'm not sure. I th- He did have a lot of uh, professional coaches with him, and I don't know how that worked in terms of recruiting, but. I don't think the recruiting was. It's always been. It seems to me to, that it's always been difficult to recruit at Illinois for years and years and years. And uh, is it because of the most of the players in the Chicago area and they're just uh, everybody uh, in in the country recruits there? Is that is that a major part of it? I think that I think that's part of it. But I think you can recruit the state if you get out and hit it really hard. And I'm not sure they did. To be honest, I, mm-hmm. I think you know they focused a lot in Florida and Texas and different places. And I don't know how hard they hit it um, consistently in the state of Illinois. I know Brett is right now. I mean, they're, I know they're hitting it really hard, and, and we tried to, you know, when I was there. Um, and especially early, it was a struggle, you know, because you are going against, you know, some of the top power school, you know, schools in the country because they all come into Chicago, but there's still plenty of players. And if you dig and search and find the right guys that are a good fit that are coming for the right reasons, you can do it. You look at our 2001 championship team, I mean, almost the entire team from the state of Illinois or St. Louis, you know, right across mm-hmm. the border with a couple with a couple from Indiana. I mean, that was the bulk of our team. I think I counted up one time. I think it was like 19 of our 22 starters were from the state of Illinois or, you know, right on the border. And, um, you know, we had a couple from New Jersey, you know, from California a little bit. But mostly that's where it was. You had a good one from uh, Kansas City. <laughs> A pretty good one from Kansas City, yes, no doubt. And he was the most heavily recruited of all of them. I mean, we beat Notre Dame and other people on him. He was definitely the high, the most highly recruited kid that I recruited and that got while I was there. No question about it. We had a lot of guys that weren't that heavily recruited, but you know they they came in with a lot of a love, a great love of Illinois and a lot of pride for the program, and uh, and that showed in the way you know in the way we played in the way. Those guys got after him. Talking about Brandon Lloyd there from uh, Kansas City, and what a group of wide receivers uh, you had with Walter Young and Greg Lewis and Aaron Moorhead and Kurt Kidner at quarterback. Do you stay in contact with a lot of those guys? 
Oh yeah, I talk. I you know a lot. I talk to a lot of them frequently, and I follow them on um, Instagram or whatever they, you know, whatever Twitter, whatever they do. And um, yeah, so I do. But I talk to a lot of them, and it, it was a great group. You look at that group. You talked about the receivers. We had four receivers going to the NFL. Three of them for six years or more, and two of those four were walk-ons. And the other one of the other ones, Walter, was a quarterback that we had to switch to that we switched to receiver because he was sitting behind Kurt and was too good an athlete to sit. And then obviously Brandon, who's recruited by everybody, but two of those guys were walk-ons. Aaron Moorhead and Greg Lewis came in as walk preferred walk-ons, and you know earned a scholarship. Um, so you know, but they they just kept developing. They were late developers. They kept developing and played well. We had a bunch of really good offensive lines too. That was, I think, the key to it. And our offensive line and defensive lines of toughness that we had. You look at our offensive line with, you know, with Tony Pachos and Butkus and Kulaga and uh, Dave Dill and all those guys. You know, they're, I'm missing some, but they, they just brought us toughness. But none of those guys, not one of them, were heavily recruited. You know, Brandon Moore in the defensive line, who played in the NFL for 10 or 12 years as an offensive lineman, you know, out of Indiana, wasn't very heavily recruited, you know. So, but they uh, they had what we were looking for. They had the right attitude and the right toughness, and it, it all clicked. Illinois went uh, ten and two that year to win the Big Ten championship. The only loss was to Michigan. Then went to the uh, Sugar Bowl. Ended up number seventeen in the final Associated Press poll that season. Um, what games, when you think about that year, what games stand out to you the most, Ron? Well, um, a, a lot of them, a lot of them do. I think that team just had a, a resilience that they were going to, you know, that they were going to keep going no matter what. They had a toughness that they got knocked down, they got back up, and they had a, the biggest thing. I think they believed and they had a lot of confidence, and that belief is something that you know you can't just come in and say, "All right, we believe we're going to win." It came over time. I think it started. You talk about the game that year, but I'm going to go back a little bit. It started, I think, in '99. You know, when we went eight and four had a really good year, and these guys were all young players. And then the next year, when we came out, we had some injuries. We, you know, it didn't click like it normally does and, and whatever, and we lost the last game to end up 5-6 and six and not go to a ball game. I think that set the tone because those guys knew they were better than that. They were determined, and that offseason was unbelievable. And I've never seen a team become so close on and off the field. I mean, they worked – in the weight room, they worked on the field together. They did everything together. They went to cams together. They went – whatever they did, they went together. And, um, you know, they had an attitude about them that, you know, they weren't going to be stopped. And, and that showed. I mean, we had several come-from-behind wins. You know, I, th- I think Penn State game, if I remember right, we scored to take the lead, I think maybe three or four points, and it kicked off, and they returned it for a touchdown with three or four minutes to go in the game. And we got in the, they got on the field and got in the huddle. I remember guys telling me, Kurt walked in and just looked at the guys and said, all right, guys, let's go. Um, let's go win this blank game. And, um, you know, and those guys just looked and said, yeah, no big deal. And they, you know, put together a 70-something-yard drive and went down and scored. So I think that kind of sums up the team and the attitude. They just believed in one another, and they were believed they were going to get it done. Well, Ron, uh, you, you're kind of talking a little bit about this year's team in terms of the experience and the age and – this is going to be the. I'm going to say that this might be the oldest team, at least since World War II, because they've got so many. They got so many fifth-year players that you you didn't have a chance to have. I mean, I, they got 22 players on. One of one of us is, has dropped out because of an injury, but they got at least 21 now fifth-year seniors. 
or at least fifth year. And that's that's a yeah. that's kind of a new thing in football, isn't it? It's yeah, it's crazy with you know with COVID and everything else. There are a lot of crazy things going on, but that's unbelievable. I've never heard of that. And you say at least fifth year, yeah, several of them are six year guys. So they uh, and and beside that, they have a lot of playing time, and they have won some games. So they've got to you know have some thoughts in their head that we can win. It's just a matter, and I think Brett will do a good job of getting them to believe every time they take the field that they can win because they can. And I think I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I've watched them the last, last couple of years a little bit more, and um, they've got some talent, you know, and the offensive line is really good. I think four of the five starters are back. I think the tight ends are going to be, going to be really good. Running game should be good. The running backs, you know, are yeah. good. I understand there's a transfer that came in, too, that's going to help them get from Arkansas, I believe. Um, yeah. So I, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, and, I think defensively, what they're going to do defensively, they'll be more aggressive. I think that hurt them. You know, a lot of cover two last year, and you couldn't stop the, you know, the read option and all that kind of game. And the quarterback running the ball gave them a lot of problems. And you know, I think they'll uh, they'll present some problems defensively. So I think it's I think you're going to surprise a lot of people. I, mean, I think the schedule when I see, you know, at least six wins and possibly seven or eight, um, if they can, you know, come up with one or two that they shouldn't. So I think I think he's got a lot of guys coming back. That's unusual for a head coach, like you said. You know, usually you're taking over a down program and having to totally rebuild. But they got some uh, some experience. Another minute or two with Ron Turner. You mentioned you had a chance to uh, see the new football facility. Did you have the urge to go bowling or get your hair cut or anything <laughs> while you were in there? <laughs> play, play pool or big pong? I did try to get it. I did try to get a haircut, but it was Saturday morning and nobody was there. <laughs> I, I, I did not go bowling, no. But that's I quite a building, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm looking at this. Oh my god! <laughs> looking at what you know what we had, and I thought what we had was fine. You know, it's just the day and age. That's where it is now. I mean, it's uh, it is amazing. You know, you want those guys that want to come over there and spend time, and I'm sure they do. Hey, Ron, good to catch up with you. Hopefully we can do it again uh, next week and uh, run into you and uh, Kidner and Walter Young and Brandon Lloyd and some of those guys that are coming back. And it makes Lauren and I feel a little bit old that uh, we were midway through our careers or late in our careers then. (laughs) I'd already retired. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, I know know what you mean. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody, the players, the staff, you know, everybody and just – Get back. Wendy and I are coming in and looking looking forward to it. Should be a good time. Safe travels. Look forward to seeing you, Ron. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Ron Turner with us, former Illinois coach, eight years on the job here at Illinois. His overall record was thirty two and forty nine. He started out when he talked to those freshmen that year, they went turned around and went zero and eleven. <laughs> but uh, for the ones that hung around, they went uh, ten and two in that uh, championship year of. 2001. Well, Turner and Zook and Beckman and Lovey took over weak programs. Bielema has taken over a program with 40 seniors, if you count the super seniors and the regular seniors. So this is different. I mean, he does have more talent this year. Now, he's going to have to build in a hurry because we're going to lose a whole bunch of those guys after this season. But, uh, you know, the last four coaches really had to start from scratch. It is 920. We'll continue with Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. The phone line is open 217-356-9397 if you'd like to join us. Back after this. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk. Lord Tate, Steve Kelly, until 10 o'clock this morning. It is 9.23 now. And we've got a nice, humid 76 degrees in central Illinois. Baseball action uh, yesterday and last night. Kansas City over the Cubs, 6-2. The Pirates shut out the Cardinals, 4-0. The White Sox in 11 innings beat Tampa Bay, 7-5. So just when you start to look at the wild card standings as a Cardinal fan, and then they pull a stinker like last night. About 10 hits or so in that game. I don't know. They got 10 hits, no yeah, but, runs. But they never put them together. It was, it was kind of. The Pirates had four hits yeah. and four runs. <laughs> <laughs> That's just baseball, Steve. I mean, just because you hit the ball hard doesn't mean. I mean, they, they, they made the point that. Uh, Goldschmidt had a couple of hits last night. The problem was that when he came up with men on, and the, the first time he hit into a double play, the next time he hit a, a rip roaring line drive to third base. You know, you can't hit it any harder, but it it it's just the timing of everything was off last night. Yep. And speaking of timing, we're a week out from the start of the college football season. Illinois will have the the main stage, so to speak, in yeah. uh, in week zero and. Everything will be back to normal, we're told, at Grange Grove. A lot of activity going on out there, tailgating and such. And I, I don't know who to ask about this or who would comment on it, but I, there's a lot of road work around Midtown Champaign. I wonder how that's going to affect uh, the traffic. Well, some at least they got uh, St. Mary's Road yes. open. That's big. But Windsor Road is not, and I don't. the way it looks, I don't see that getting done before. Next well, you week. got single file. Yeah, you do. Have you ever cussed about that? Well, I, I wasn't very happy when, <laughs> when you and I drove away the other day and I took the wrong road. <laughs> you we you were, just went down to Neal Street. You were smarter than we me. We were going to the same place, and I think I got there 10 minutes before you. <laughs> and we, we were uh, two miles away from where we were going. But that's uh, just something that we'll have to deal with. But uh, as far as the masks, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Always just be safe and have a mask with you. There might be a situation where you feel like you need it, and uh, and maybe you know, be like Lauren. Somebody will tell you to put one on. Even like they, you, they meant to cover your whole face, though. Well, that that's lady right. They, but even yesterday, I found myself getting out of the car and going back to the car to get my mask. I just don't always remember, but got to. The situation going on in Lincoln with the uh, investigation of improper practices and yep. team meetings and such. You know, when you, the more you think about that, I wonder if that uh, they're going to use that as an excuse to maybe deal with the future of Scott Frost before they might have wanted to. Well, the question is, if, if he has a failed season mm-hmm. and they want to fire him, can they use that as cause? Right. And my answer is yes, I think they can. Because it's it's an NCA now it's an NCA charge. He hasn't been uh, you know it hasn't been completed. It's simply right now at the inquiry stage, so it's not at a point yet that you could use it. But ultimately, yes, if if it's proven to be true, which undoubtedly it is, I think they acknowledge it even. So uh, there'll be some penalties handed out, and they'll be uh, they'll be minor. And uh, I, the thing that I see more there. Nebraska has had this, it seems to me, this policy lately of going out on their own, uh, 
first of all, you know, they wanted to play last year. Remember when the when the, the COVID, uh, the Big Ten made the decision that they weren't going to play? Well, the, the Nebraska is trying to figure out how they can play on their own, just as a solo team. And then, of course, at the same time, they're trying to drop the Oklahoma game. That, that was a big furor. And so there have been things happening there uh, one after another, plus just the the disappointing performance of the team over the three years. He's 9-17 and 17 is Frost in the Big Ten, in Big Ten play, and uh, I think something like 10-20 and 20 overall. 12-20. 12-20, so and 20. Mm-hmm. okay. And uh, it, they've just been a, a, a big disappointment in a lot of ways, and, and they haven't been a you know an ideal fit for the Big Ten because of their, some of their action. But um, there, there's, there's, no, there's not going to be any change in the – in the Big Ten, I don't think in any. I don't think the Big Ten is going to add any school. I don't think Nebraska is going to leave. I think it's they're going to be there forever, and and uh, I think they're going to be part of this coalition that we're seeing built uh, around the the Pac-12 and and the uh, ACC. They've already got an ACC basketball challenge, which kind of ties those conferences, and they got the Rose Bowl connection, which has been a tremendous factor for the. There there have been attempts for many years for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 Pac to play each other, and they have. And I think you'll see even more of that in the future because of the efforts to, to get better inventory for TV uh, beyond the conference games. And I think that you'll see uh, that's what's going to come out of this meeting of Jim Phillips and, and the, the three athletic uh, the three commissioners. Um, and I see that's what I see coming from uh, in the future that these these three conferences are going to work together to try to try to prevent the SEC from just being totally in control, of, uh, you know, controlling football from the Southwest. And I don't know that anybody knows exactly how that might work beyond a scheduling alliance, but I think it feels they they feel it gives them a bigger seat at the table as far as some decision-making. I don't know well, if that's... I, I think the 12-team the, the playoff is going to be a, a factor in that. I mean, I, you know, they're going to have the votes to get what they want, assuming they can keep themselves as a group together, 41 schools, including Notre Dame, whether those 41 can over out, you know, overrule what S- the SEC with their 16 teams might want to do. I think the 12-team uh, playoff is key because... That enables, if you get into a scheduling alliance with these three conferences, that, that enables a game like Ohio State-Clemson to be really attractive with the understanding that if you lose that, you're not totally out of the playoff picture like you would be if it was a 4-14 four, thing. Yeah, and yet in the final analysis, the schools are going to do their own scheduling. And right. I don't think that Northwestern is particularly interested in playing. You see by their schedule this year, that they're they're playing weaker teams, uh, preferably to to enhance their record, and I don't know that Illinois wants to get in, into any tougher. They got a bunch of games coming up with Missouri, which is which will be their tenth game, and uh, the other two. Do you want them? Do you want one of the other two to be somebody tough out of the uh, out of the Pac-12? I don't know. I mean, is that an, is that an Illinois benefit? Each school's got to decide for themselves on scheduling, even though they try as a conference to enhance scheduling by playing teams from the from the, th- the three conferences. Our text line is open this morning as well as the telephone lines. The Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217-351-5357. A text coming in a little bit ago and this, this is kind of 
goes with what Ron Turner said or uh, same subject matter, at least. Ron Turner said maybe seven or eight wins for this uh, Illinois football team if things go right. And the, the texture says is three wins asking too much for the Illini football well, team. Well, the problem right away is you've got a really tough game against Nebraska. You said they're a touchdown underdog. Then you've got a, uh, you've got a team uh, from An- San Antonio, who, which is going to be very – uh, competitive with Illinois, and then you got a game that there'll be an underdog, probably a touchdown under, underdog against Virginia. So, and that's a guess. I don't know. They, they will be an underdog. I don't know how many uh, points, but if you lose two out of the first three, you're not headed for eight and four. Right. Okay. I mean, that's just a fact of life, I'm afraid. It is 9.30, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk some more Illinois football. Jeremy Werner from Illini Enquirer, 247sports.com, will be with us. Stay with us. Back after this. Illini Palace, Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate till 11 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Ron Turner for spending some time with us. Coming up in just a few minutes, uh, Colin Likas from the News Gazette will stop in a little bit to tell us about a very special dedication ceremony last night in St. Joseph, dedicating the football field there to longtime Hall of Fame coach Dick Duvall. But right now, Jeremy Werner joins us from Illini Inquirer. Jeremy, how are you doing this morning? You ready for some football? I don't know because I'm actually paying attention to my baseball team deep into August, guys. So it's uh, <laughs> pretty exciting for us. A uh, few White Sox fans in the area. Well, you can't be ner- too nervous, can you? You got a nice big lead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm watching the game last night. The White Sox had a 4-2 lead. I give my kids a bath, put them to bed, and I come out and it's 5-4. to four, And I'm like, what What happened? Um, yeah, there's this, there's this weird feeling where you're sitting there going, uh, man, these games really don't matter all that much. All that matters is that week uh, of the uh, ALDS and is your pitching good that week. But uh, it, it's still nice to see them, you know, take three or four from Oakland and, and potentially take a series from Tampa today because that, that's what we're measuring ourselves up. Are, are we ready for this? Are we ready for, for the playoffs? But, yeah, it's, it's uh, very low pressure with a 12-game lead uh, on a terrible division. But um, we're, we're just looking for signs that, hey, we're all good to go come – Come October, and with Oloy and, and Luis Robert back and, and Yasmani Grandal back, I, I feel like we have uh, one, of the, if not the best roster in the AL, one of the top two. Well, 21 games above 500, and isn't it funny how baseball works? The, you know, if, if they maintain that pace, they might be 30 games or so above 500 when the playoffs come. But if things don't go right that first week, it uh, <laughs> it just puts a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, that's that's the playoffs, and that's why MLB playoffs are are so crazy. Uh, the Dodgers have been obviously the best team in the league, and it took them so long just to get one World Series. And right now, they're the second best team in the league, and they're number two in their division. So it's it's a luck of the draw. Sometimes you just got to get hot. But I feel like we got the pitching uh, with your guy Lance Lynn at the top of it um, to to potentially make a great run. But we'll see. Is Tony Larusa the right guy? As he as it turned out that that was a good decision. Uh, well, it wasn't a terrible decision. I think he was an upgrade over the guy before him. Uh, he makes some decisions that, you know, like any manager, you, you question at times. But I, I think he's obviously a good manager, uh, and he hasn't. Re- I think what everyone was concerned about was, um, I think Tony gets his moniker kind of as an old school guy. When you guys know, like he was a new school guy 20 years ago, um, and and he still had some some 
approaches that uh, I think are, are a little bit more modern, but um, the, the clubhouse is fine. Those guys, Tim Anderson and, and Jose Abreu and Luis Robert, and, you know, they're, they're all having fun, uh, but also have a manager with some postseason experience. So I didn't think the hire was necessary. I thought it would have made sense to have AJ Hinch, who's having a really good year yep. uh, in Detroit, but um, I would rather have him at the time, but Hey, if he, if he wins in the playoffs, that's all that matters. I, I don't know if he's as good as, as uh, Kevin Cash in, in Tampa, but uh, I do believe he's still an upgrade. It's just, you know, some of the distractions you were worried about early, but, uh, you know, months later, it, does, it doesn't seem to have an impact. So that's all you can care about. Switching to football, uh, what do you see coming up with Illinois and Nebraska? I don't know, Warren. <laughs> we haven't been able to see these guys. Uh, I am incredibly intrigued by what we will see. I think offensively, we kind of know what to expect. I think this run game will be pretty good, and I think it's going to pose some problems for Nebraska. But the big question on offense is how big of a step forward can your uh, passing game take? Uh, how much do we trust Brandon Peters? Um, how much will he change under a new staff? How much better does this wide receiver crew get with Isaiah Williams uh, there? Um, what kind of next step can some of the other groups take? I mean, it's a bunch of new guys. Uh, but they're they're pretty unproven. I got a lot of questions on defense because they've just been bad for so long outside of taking takeaways. Uh, but can a new, uh, the the biggest factor of this entire season, guys, and I've, I've been saying this for a while, is this is such a weird opportunity uh, and situation where you basically have the same exact roster except for a few guys, right? Like Nate Hobbs and Kendrick Green, or in the NFL, Josh Mantor Bebe, who's trying to make his way back. Um, besides those guys, it's basically the same roster with a new coaching staff. So we basically get a, a exact apples to apples comparison of how big is coaching, how big is scheme matter, or how big of an issue is, is roster talent. I, I think it's a little bit of both, right? But um, we will see what kind of impact Brett Bielema and his coaching staff in these new schemes uh, can make on basically the same team that we saw last year really underachieve, uh, in my opinion. So uh, we'll get our first look of it on, on Saturday. And I think Nebraska uh, this year has the right quarterback starting, unlike last year when Illinois crushed them with Luke McCaffrey. So I think offensively, Nebraska scares me a little bit. They do lose Wandale Robinson, but they have a bunch of talented wide receivers, a talented running back from USC transfer, uh, Marquis Stepp. So I think offensively they pose some problems, but I, I think Illinois' run game. Um, poses them some problems. I think it's a pretty winnable game, but uh, not an easy one by any stretch. I'm intrigued by the five-man front because I just think that uh, it presents a different look and, and it, it allows for more uh, cleverness, let's say, um, bringing different people uh, as opposed to the, the what seemed like a more of a set defense that, that Lovey used. What, 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 are your, what are your thoughts about the five-man front? Well, I'm not going to assume that we see a five-man front all the time, Warren. No, uh, not all I, the I know time. that. I, I know that's what they showed—a very vanilla-based scheme, three-four defense, um, with Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay playing outside linebacker, basically stand-up defensive ends, right? And then three-down mm -hmm. linemen. I expect to see that against the Wisconsin's of the world, the Iowa's of the world. Uh, are we going to see that? I, I don't know. Like, I, I think we could, but I also think you could see some four-two-five fronts where you have, you know, say um, a Roderick Perry and. Keith Randolph at defensive line and then Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay standing up as edge rushers with 
two linebackers and, and five guys, uh, five defensive backs. Um, I think you could see that at times as well against some of these spread teams like a Nebraska or a Minnesota or something like that. So uh, they've used the word multiple. Maybe I'm looking too much into that. Um, you know, you look at Phil Steele's college football preview that Brett Bielma talked to um, Phil, Phil about, and he's got four two five defense set up in there. So I, I think that's a huge reason why we haven't seen practice. It's mostly because of the defensive side of the ball and what they're going to throw at Nebraska. Um, I think there was a little bit of scheming here of, hey, we're going to show a 3-4 during spring game. We could do something completely different against Nebraska. But I do agree with you from the, the mindset, Warren, of, this is this defense is going to be far less predictable. How many times did we hear an opposing coach say, we know what Lovey Smith's defense is going to do? That's not a good thing. Um, so I just think having them less predictable, don't know which, which linebacker is coming, uh, maybe disguise some coverages, I think you'll see a lot more of that. And I, I think that's a good thing to, to try and confuse college quarterbacks or to confuse college linemen, um, you know, make them work a little harder because it felt like they all knew – exactly what Illinois was doing the last couple of years. Normally, at this time, I would ask, what have you seen that has surprised you or <laughs> maybe uh, concerned you heading into the first game? But uh, the fact, as you mentioned, that we haven't seen much practice, it's kind of hard to ask that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I do think this – one thing Rod Smith brought to this team was they could run the ball, right? And, and I think that will continue to happen. Like, they have a good group of running backs – they have a pretty good offensive line. You know, I think relative to Illinois standards, I, I think it's a top half Big Ten offensive line, which is really good for, for Illinois. Um, I think defensive line, you got some talent there. I, I feel a heck of a lot better about linebacker than I did. Uh, I do have questions about the secondary, guys, because this, this group just hasn't played all that well together. The pass rush, despite having Carney and Gay, wasn't all that good last year. Um, so, so I have some questions there, but – one of the biggest questions remains at the most important position is, is quarterback. What what are we going to see out of Brandon Peters? We saw some good moments in 2019, but it was inconsistent. We saw one good game against Nebraska. I know his year was disrupted by COVID, uh, but other than that, he wasn't able to lift this team out of some of these terrible runs of offense. So, how much does he change uh, in a new offense with a new offense coordinator? Can he finally find consistency in his sixth year? He's obviously got talent. He's obviously got moments where, where he shines. But my, my biggest questions are just in the passing game, um, probably on both sides of, of the ball. But, you know, th this defense and, and this team returns a lot of people. But I think we've got to remember they've lost nine of their last 11 games with this roster, right? Nine of their last 11 games dating back to 2019, they have lost. So how many NFL certain draft picks are on this team? I'm not sure, but there certainly is a lot of experience. And I think Brett Bielma has a lot to work with, but he's got to get the most out of them because that certainly hasn't been the case the last, you know, one and a half seasons. Another minute or two with Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer. I share your uh, concern uh, in the passing game on the receiver side, there's 17 guys listed on the uh, receiver uh, roster in the receiver room. Um, I'm waiting to see if there's, a, number one, a go-to guy, number two, a big play guy, and I guess we're going to have to see some game action before we decide if uh, those elements are there. Yeah, I, I think you can just pick up on things, uh, talking with some of the coaches, the, the guys that I think are going to play a big role. Uh, Donnie Navarro, I think, is going to be used more than he was last year. Not the biggest, not the fastest, but just a guy that I think would be a safety blanket. Uh, just I, I always call him a craftsman because he just knows how to get open. I think he'll play a bigger role than he did last year. Uh, Brian Hightower, when healthy, I think could 
can be a big play threat. He showed some flashes last year, uh, but it was often when, when Peters wasn't on the field. So I'm interested to see how those two work together. But he's got some of those Amat Torbebe traits, right? Big, strong, athletic, can go up and get the ball. Um, Jafar Armstrong, it'll be interesting to see how he's used. Um, you know, coming from being a running back at Notre Dame, he certainly can, can make plays. He showed that at Notre Dame, but from that receiver position, it'll be interesting. Casey Washington, we've seen him. I think he's a solid option. But, of course, guys, the guy I'm most excited to see is Isaiah Williams. And I, they haven't had a guy in the slot like that who can make plays in the open field and then make plays after the catch, probably since Mikey Dudek was a freshman, right? And, and Isaiah, I think, is, is quicker than Mikey, not as big uh, as Mikey was by the, the, by the end of his career. But I, I just think he's a playmaker. We saw it last year. When he had the ball in his hands against Rutgers, he had the ball in his hands even against Penn State, he, he can just make plays and make people miss. It's something they've lacked for a really long time. And they haven't tamped down the expectations for Isaiah Williams either. I, I expect him to be a huge part of this offense, and it'll be really interesting to see how good he can be right away. Do you see this game, uh, win or lose, starting a trend in either direction? I, I mean, do, would you think that a loss would – uh, at least cause the fans, oh, here we go again? Or if, or if you get a win, like it, it, would it bring us back over 40,000 for some of the games? Yeah, I hate to say, I mean, it is one game on a 12-game schedule, right? But I do think Brett Bielma knows how important this game is. One, because I think it's one of the most winnable games on the schedule because you do have the uh, advantage of, you know, a little bit of secrecy here. Um, they don't know what's coming. And at least for the first half, I think you have the advantage of that. Like Illinois knows what Scott Frost is running offensively. They know what he's running defensively. Scott Frost is kind of guessing. Um, so I think that is an advantage, at least for the first quarter or two uh, against Nebraska. You beat Nebraska last year. It's a program that uh, is at least, um, it's got some talent in there, but they have underachieved and their coach is on the hot seat. And now they got this NCAA investigation kind of clouding it. So uh, they do want revenge, Nebraska does, but um, they, it is a little bit of a program that's, that's stag, you know, like wavering a little bit. So I think you have that advantage. Plus you have the excitement, kind of like Lovey Smith had in that North Carolina game. And people are going to be excited just to get to a football game. People are excited about a new era. And I do think it's a chance to gain a lot of confidence with your team, but also get a lot of excitement around the program. Doesn't mean if they win this one, they're going to a bowl. If they lose this one, they're not going to a bowl. But I, I do think it's a statement game. Like last year, the Wisconsin game, I think that carried over. You know, having that big of a disappointment, I think that really stunned the team. Then you have COVID uh, with, after that that really hurts the roster. Uh, I think that, that made a lasting impression. So, while I try not to make it too much out of one game, I do think this can be a huge tone setter for both the fan base and inside uh, that program. Hey, Jeremy, appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, it'll be time, time to get back after it. Uh, Illinois football may be back to normal. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, ready to go and ready to see fans there, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer. We're going to turn our attention now to some high school football news, which gets started a week from last night. Colin Likas, one of the busiest guys in central Illinois, is with us here for a couple of minutes. And you were at St. Joe last night, Colin, for a, 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 what looked to be a very emotional ceremony uh, mm -hmm. honoring Dick Duvall. Yeah, um, 
no football game last night. There was a scrimmage, uh, but last night was uh, really, truly about Dick Duvall, the man who led St. Joe Ogden football for nearly three decades, uh, starting in 1988 and finishing in 2015. Uh, he had the field officially named in his honor. That was unveiled last night. Uh, Dick has been publicly battling cancer for well over a year at this point, uh, but he was able to come out. Um, he and his wife, Linda, rode on a golf cart and were serenaded by just hundreds, and that's not an exaggeration. There were hundreds of people there in attendance filling the bleachers and surrounding the field uh, to recognize him, and uh, when they unveiled this placard, it was covered up with a blue tarp. Uh, it said Dick Duval Field on it. He was clearly just overcome with emotion. He was able to, you know, stand up with a little assistance to watch the unveiling. And as soon as, you know, that that, that uh, tarp dropped, he immediately had to sit down and kind of compose himself because it was clearly a very meaningful moment for him. So, yeah, a uh, big deal for the St. Joseph Ogden community. Dick Duval has done a ton for that community, not just in football, but elsewhere as a math teacher, as a coach of other sports, athletic director, what have you. So a well-deserved honor for for him. As we go forward, and, and St. Joe, uh, they seem to have um, strong teams year after year. Sure, uh, this all goes back to him. I mean, he's. Yeah. I mean, that thirty, that twenty-eight years, uh, mm-hmm. and those five, you know, state runners-up. I mean, yep. that, that's getting awful close. Too bad he didn't win one of them. But, yeah, right. But uh, that's that's a great accomplishment. Yeah, fantastic. He, as the press announcer noted last night, public dress announcer, I should say, he never had a losing season. Um, he had two seasons where he didn't make the playoffs at five and four, which doesn't really happen all that often. But never had a losing season. Um, in 28 years, which is pretty incredible. Five state runner-ups, like you said, 251 wins overall. I mean, yeah, that's just uh, that's St. Joseph Ogden football is what it is because of a guy like Dick Duvall. Colin, tell us what you got going on today. <laughs> Faces a fall photo shoot annual event where we have out athletes from all over the area, 45 schools, give or take. Uh, Football, volleyball, soccer, golf, cross country, girls tennis, girls swimming. So a lot of athletes coming out. I've got more than 220 on the books right now. It's probably going to be around 250 by the time the day is over. Um, going to have them come out and take photos. Ed Bond is going to record some radio promos that you'll hear on these airwaves down the line. And, yeah, it's just a fun moment for us to get to roll out the red carpet for these high school kids. You know, we highlight some of them throughout the year. You know, sometimes, you know, kids hard to ignore their accomplishments, but so many other kids. You, we've, you know, Lauren, we've only got a limited amount of space in print. We can't highlight every single kid every single day. So this is a way for us to, you know, put a spotlight on some kids who might not otherwise be in the paper. You maybe you can't do that, but at times it seems like you you we give try. it you give it a good try. <laughs> we certainly give it an effort because you know everybody wants their their athlete covered, um, and we understand that. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously limited limited personnel, limited space. So this is one of the best ways I think that we can highlight read, all our schools. I don't read a lot of other local papers, mm-hmm. but I, I would be hard pressed to find I think a local paper that covers the high schools the way that uh, Matt Daniels and you guys mm-hmm. do here. Yeah, I think we do a pretty standout job. Uh, I don't know of any newspaper uh, around the state that does something like this, a photo shoot like this. I know there's some TV stations that do kind of things like that, but, uh, you know, uh, from as far as newspaper goes, yeah, considering the amount of resources that we have, I think it's a pretty impressive undertaking for us. Well, let's... Have you got your uh, weeks uh, next weekend scheduled? Um, <laughs> who are you going to cover uh, yeah. Friday night? From a football perspective, I can tell you, yeah, we're going to the Cola Wars on Friday. Arcola okay. and Tuscola in Arcola. 
bang-up game a couple years ago when they had one. It was 45-42 final, Tuscola won, and I was terrified because it ran past 10 o'clock. <laughs> it's like, ooh, we're going to miss deadline here. And then on Saturday, obviously, we've got Illinois football, but we're also planning to try and have somebody attend uh, the Gibson City uh, football opener against Carlinville, Aiden Lawford. Are they obviously. going to be as good as they have been? I think they'll be pretty good. With all the flooding? Uh, yeah, that's been a tough uh, – yeah, I was in Gibson City a few days ago, those, those kids and the everybody in that community, obviously. It's been a very emotional trying time for them uh, just with the flooding that happened last week, you know, 32 inches of standing water in some spots, which is just crazy to think about. But, yeah, the big thing, uh, Aiden Lawfrey, Illinois football commit – his senior year, we just want to see, you know, what uh, what he's capable of doing as a senior because um, obviously he's got big expectations now that he's verbally committed to to the home state school. And you're going to be covering some Illinois football as well, correct? Oh, you got it. Yep, covering Illinois football, starting with Saturday's game against Nebraska, and uh, that'll be a team effort for sure. Scott Ritchie will be involved. Matt Daniels will be involved. Bob Osmussen will be involved when he when he returns. And uh, yeah, as as always, team effort. Looking forward to hearing from Brett Bielema on Monday to finally get a, a f- more firm idea of what we might see on the field on, on Saturday. So on uh, Friday afternoon, do you uh, say goodbye to your family and say, <laughs> say I'll, I'll see you maybe Sunday night? Yeah, or? right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it at this point. Fridays and Saturdays during the fall season are uh, yeah fully dedicated to work. So. You know, I've had a couple weekends off in the last few few months, so uh, that, that'll have to suffice for now. <laughs> Colin, appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. As Colin Likas, again, a lot of athletes coming uh, through the uh, radio station and newspaper uh, building here today, getting set for the fall, all of which gets going with high school football next week. Over in Indiana, they started high school football last night, as they did in Ohio. Actually, Ohio had some teams play Thursday night getting going on that so it uh, it's coming ready or not yeah here we go i i, I just hoping to see, i'm hoping to see the the teams in champaign urbana bounce back a little bit from what we've seen in pre in recent years and it doesn't sound like Urbana's going to be one of them they didn't on what 21 guys reported that's what i was told i don't know how that's changed in the last week but uh, i'm sure that was a shock for mike bellamy when he's assistant coach out there now uh to to show up and and have so few the illinois fall sports season actually got underway thursday night with illinois soccer for nothing janet rayfield's uh-huh. team beat missouri on the road that's a route it is in soccer <laughs> isn't it uh four to nothing was the final and they play on the road again sunday at illinois state so a chance uh that, that game is uh at six o'clock chance to uh get off to a two and oh start there with both games being on the road then volleyball gets going here in a couple of weeks yeah. as well, so a lot going on. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the volleyball. I like to see a little bounce back there, but the league is so good. It's just uh, it's, you guys what six teams in the, in the in the in the top group. Yeah, I would say that if you're going to volleyball, for instance, mm-hmm. plan on wearing a mask because that is inside. That's indoors, right? Yep. Yep. Soccer, obviously outdoors, football outdoors. Uh, so, again, back to the mask thing, just kind of use your better judgment, have one with you. And uh, but if the It's event- pretty simple. I mean, if it's indoors, you yeah. got to wear a mask. Yeah. They're even talking about, um, you know, what should they do in the West Great Hall when you're lined up for food? I think you should yeah. wear one then. I don't know if they, they want to actually get into the business of policing that, but... Uh, 
I think if I was in line at, at a concession stand, I would. Yeah. That's not to say no, everybody should. That's expected of you. Yeah, I think so. It is 9.56, first hour of Kalani Pella Saturday Sports Talk in the books, thanks to Ron Turner, Jeremy Warner, and Colin Likas. Coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk some more football with Jay Lehman and Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated comes your way at 1030. We'll take a break and be back with hour number two right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're headed towards 11 o'clock here on News Talk 1400, DWS, Alana Saturday Sports Talk. And you've been thinking at all about uh, some new windows for your home or business. The Pella Window Showroom is the place to be. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, Monday through Friday are their hours. They have uh, created a while back a lifestyle series of wood windows and patio doors to provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency, all at uh, an amazing value. Most of the styles are available in uh, triple pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. The uh, Pella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency. Plus, you can personalize the solutions for each room in your home with available product packages, all kinds of ideas there. With the uh, Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style. And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors to complement your home and your budget. Stop by the Pella Window Showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Give them a call, 356-6474. If you'd like to make an appointment for some after-hours consultation there, maybe on a Saturday, Saturdays by appointment, or visit them on their website at PellaofChampagne.com. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Let's welcome Jay Lehman into the program. Good morning, Jay. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm guessing uh, you're ready for some football, aren't you? Oh, man, we're always running. You know, I never get surprised. It starts to get really hot the first week of August. That's because football starts. Once you put on the pads, then it just stays hot. You know, we didn't have that hot of a summer. The moment you put on the pads, it gets hot. Too bad we didn't have last weekend's weather, which wasn't too bad. I mean, you had the temperatures in the upper 70s, low 80s. But uh, what, what the heck? It gets hot in August and early September around here, and you just got to deal with it, right? You got to deal with it, get you ready for the first game, and, you know, love that uh, we get to kick off the college football season this year. How are you feeling about this game, Illinois-Nebraska conference game right out of the gate? Well, you know, uh, I feel good about, you know, Illinois. the big question is with Illinois is they've got a bunch of people coming back. How quickly can they adapt to the systems of, of Peterson, the offense coordinator, and Walters? That, that's really my big question. They really got everybody back on offense other than Kendrick Green and Emander Bebe and a large contingent back on defense. Um, but for Nebraska, that's really the wild card. You know, we know Scott Frost has had good offenses and had success against Illinois other than last year. But, you know, they came under investigation this week. 
they lost a ton of players. They were they were like transfer portal U this past off season, and not in a good way with players coming in, with players going out. So you got to think, what is this Nebraska team going to look like? Obviously, got a new AD and Trev Elberts as well too. Well, uh, Jay, I, I think that uh, the Nebraska situation is that they seem to have filled in pretty well. They lost a lot, and then they gained a lot. I mean, one, one at one time, they lost their best receiver. I mean, a guy just up and left them in the transfer portal, and then the next thing we know, they get the best guy from Southern Cal, and, and all of a sudden now they think receivers is a strong suit. I can't, I can't figure them out at all. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure either. I don't know what we're necessarily going to see. I think it's pretty pretty clear that Martinez will be the quarterback. I've yep. Caffrey trans, transferred out. You know, he's transferred a couple times since he left Nebraska. But, you know, so I, I don't know what's going to look at. I think Scott Frost has always been able to put up points. And so I think they'll put up points. Uh, it's really going to come down to who can control the clock and turnovers. I, I think Illinois has got a lot of confidence in this game, though. New coaching staff, and they – Last year, Illinois wasn't good, and they, they, they really dominated that game in Lincoln last year in every facet. It wasn't even close. And so if there's one big team that has a Big Ten team to have some confidence against, it is Nebraska. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the linebackers since that's your old position. And you got <laughs> Hanson coming back. You got three guys there that, that didn't play in the spring. You got Barnes and Tolson back from injuries. And then, of course, they picked up Hart. I, I don't know um, exactly what who the starter. I know Hanson will be the starter. I don't know who the other starter will be. They haven't told us that I'm that I'm aware of. I've been trying to find out, but I, I think it'll be either Tolson or Barnes. Don't you? Yeah, I, I would imagine so. You know, Barnes had some real flashes. I think it was in Week One uh, against Wisconsin last year. You know, when he came in for an injured Hanson, and we saw what he could do. Obviously, him and Tolson didn't get the reps in the spring, and really Hanson didn't either, other than some walkthrough reps and whatnot. Hart, I know they were high on being an NC State transfer, and you know played to get played behind a guy that was a good player at NC State. So I don't know what we'll necessarily see. Uh, from what I've heard, it sounds like Shimon Cooper has moved to the outside linebacker position, which is kind of you know the, the hybrid defensive end outside backer that um, you know we were you know three four defenses are accustomed to. So. I think Hanson's going to have a going to have a solid year if he can stay healthy. He's had some health issues two years ago. I think it was the back, and last year, you know, he had the concussion. And you know, keeping him healthy and on the field is the priority number one. So I think he's always going to play solid. I don't know who the other guy will be, but I would say probably Tolson or Barnes is probably leading that category. And uh, you know, I think they've got lots of experience at backer, and they've got lots of experience other places too, but backer especially. Well, uh, do you get any information from Revson and Griff and and the guys on that tour? You getting because we don't get to see anything yet. They came in here and they were able to watch Illinois practice. I just I just wondered if you uh, were able to get information from them. Well, you know they're pretty they're pretty tight lipped. I know I think you know Howard you know who's uh, Howard Griffith who's really followed Illinois football well uh, since he was here way back in the you know late eighties and whatnot. I think he has always been. I mean, he is, he's been talking about Brett Bielema for years now as a possible candidate, and uh, we've talked about it before. And uh, just the way that he operates a practice, the physicality, the attention to detail, how he's kind of taken from every place he's been, whether it's K-State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Arkansas, 
the Patriots and kind of molded what he wants in a practice and in his philosophy. I think they feel very good as far as uh, us at Big Ten Network feel very good that Illinois is headed in the right direction as far as winning and competing in the Big Ten West. And that's got to be goal number one is win the Big Ten West. Uh, as it stands right now, it's the weaker side of the conference. Now, if there's some kind of alliance that happens between the Pac-12 and ACC that's been rumored, who knows what the next conference looks like. Visiting with Jay Lehman, as a former player, uh, now I also realize you're a media guy now too, but as a former player, do have you been uh, given the opportunity to see any more practice than the, the regular media has? No, we, they really haven't. I know it's been you know, pretty pretty tight-lipped over there. I know they were pretty vanilla during the spring game. You know, we got to see some of the stuff. Uh, some I think they probably did five or six offensive plays total, and they, they ran one or two set defenses in the spring game. And then last week I went to Saturday's practice, but that was more open to the public as well, and uh, that was more just a walk-through kind of teach tempo. So I've been asking people, hey, could you give me some info on what, what it's going to look like? What's this? And, you know, everybody's it's, – it's, it's like Fort Knox over there. They're, they're pretty <laughs> secure. They don't want anything – they don't want anything out uh, before this, you know, first game of the season. And uh, rightfully so. I'm not really sure what kind of advantage it would be to let us know what's going on. But, uh, you know, about eight eight days from now, we'll know a whole lot more. I look forward to Lauren's article on Sunday that day. I mean, because usually he'll, he'll usually hit it right on the spot for what we want to hear. So. Well, I, the question I asked uh, Jeremy uh, uh, Werner just before uh, you came on was, does this game set the tone for the rest of the season. I mean, if you lose the game, does this, you know, does this mean it's going to go south? Or if you win the game, does it mean it's going to go north? Well, I don't know what Jeremy said, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to think when the last time – we haven't won many Big Ten openers. Not many uh, over the last 20 years. I mean, even that 2001 season, we didn't win the Big Ten opener. Uh, the Big Ten championship was lost to Michigan at Michigan. Uh, you know, obviously with, with the 2017 they won. But, I mean, as far as just a Big Ten opener, getting off to a good start, you know, I think it's really, really important because a lot of times the Big Ten opener for a long time wasn't until, you know, game three or four. Right. And now it can be the first game of the season. So I think it's a really important game to set the tone. I think you could – I mean, it's definitely a winnable Big Ten game for this team. So – do I think all is lost? Absolutely not. I mean, we see that with the 83 team, right? They lose to Missouri and win 10 in a row. Um, but I think it goes a long way in setting the tone for sure to get a conference win and open win on your home field with a new coaching staff. Well, it, it, probably mean, it probably sets the tone for the fans, but it probably doesn't set the tone for the players. I mean, they have a way of – there's a resilience about football. You have to have a resilience because you got you got 12 games and you can't just let one game affect everything. And I, I don't think the players will, but I I do think the fans will. Well, that's a man, that's a great point. I think for the fans, it's, it's here we go again. Sometimes I think mean, for a football player, you got to go out there and compete the next day or in practice or the next week, and you can't have time to feel sorry for yourself. So I would agree with that resilient comment. Do you like the idea of opening with a conference game right out of the gate? You know, I I guess I'm just kind of old school. I'm just, you know, I, I just kind of like, let's play our non-cons, let's get those out of the way, then let's get to real football, you know. 
you know, back in the day, you know, and Lauren remembers this, and you do too, Stephen, we used to play some legitimate non-conference opponents. I guess we're playing Virginia this year, but, you know, usually there was a Pac-12 opponent in there, you know. I think in the 90s we played Washington State. One time we played Oregon. One time we played USC. You know, um, then they started doing the kind of the Hayden Fry model, which was let's get, you know, a bunch of people that were pretty – uh, uh, soft on the schedule, and, and and Glenn Mason did that. You know, he'd get four wins, three or four wins, and you know somebody soft, and try to get three or four wins in conference play. I do know why they do it because it, it it puts more media attention, and there's bigger games earlier on when there's not other big games in other conferences. So I think it's a, a smart move from that. But you know, for me, you got to play them anyway, so I understand that. that but I, I usually like to do the non-conference first, get those kind of rolling get those out of the way and then play your conference football this is a little bit off subject but um, I don't know I just don't consider Missouri an SEC team but they are and I wonder with all those games we've got against Missouri if this kind of goes against the new supposed alliance between the uh, Big Ten the Big Pac-12 and the ACC uh, in that I assume they're going to not they don't want to play as many SEC games and would prefer to play each other as a kind of an affront to um, what the SEC did in, in bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, I'm way off the charts here, but I just I wonder if uh, Josh Whitman is happy that he's got Missouri scheduled so many games in a, in the future because that is obviously not going to be the policy of those three conferences in the future. What do you think? Oh, that's a that's some real foresight, you know, Lauren. For as many years as you're doing it, you can still see around the corner, my man. That's pretty impressive. You know, I got to got to Steve. We got to give him credit right there. I mean, the guy sees around the corner. So, um, yeah, I mean, stuff changes so fast. You know, you're scheduling some of these games. You know, five, six, seven, ten years out. Um, you know, it changes. You're like, okay, well, was that really the best decision? When maybe we should be playing you know, an ACC team or a Pac-12 team, it definitely makes sense as a proximity uh, decision uh, just because, you know, we, we've had the border war with basketball. We, we played in the 2000s. There was, you know, four or five years where Illinois played Missouri and whatnot. So I think it makes sense from a proximity, maybe from a recruiting pitch standpoint, but uh, maybe not from a conference standpoint. Lauren uh, sees around the corner, but he's also got some satchel page in him as well. He doesn't look he, back. He, uh, he's, he's got a lot. He's, he's, he's a man of many talents. I can relate to satchel. He, do, he doesn't look back. He doesn't look back. He wants to see what's gaining on him. Hey, Jade, name, image, likeness is uh, a phrase or three words that uh, are more prominent every day. How would a college Jay Lehman done under NIL, would you have fared pretty well, you think? Well, not the first four years, or first three years. I think I would have had uh, maybe uh, maybe some free chips at El Toro or something. <laughs> uh, but I think they give everybody that. So, uh, uh, you know, I would have had that. And, uh, you know, I think in year five, when we got pretty good, you know, I, um, I would have had some kind of, some kind of, you know, maybe a little bit of lunch money, you know, instead of just going to the cafeteria all the time. But I probably would have done a little bit better than I did. I remember I thought I was um, Sullivan Park Hill when I, when I graduated. So I graduated in 2007, December, after the Rose Bowl and whatnot. Sullivan Park Hill offered me about 500 bucks to do an ad 
and uh, we negotiated to get you know a lease of a car or something like that and talk about driving Chevys and whatnot. I thought I was like rich, you know, I thought that was a big deal. Now guys are getting way more than that. So uh, I think I would have done all right my last year. Before that, I, I mean, I think people would have ran away from doing NIL with me. I wasn't good enough, so we weren't good <laughs> enough. So, uh, and that was when basketball was really, really, really good. Uh, and so, I think they would have gotten the lion's share. D. Brown would have would have made would have made hay, though. I know that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, the possibility of a twelve-team playoff? Well, I've been saying we need an eight-team playoff first. I think I think I'm not sure why we're bumping up to 12, you know. But I mean, I guess the more the merrier, the more money. And I've said it from the beginning. Well, I'm going to tell you why, because those the the first four get a buy basically, and then the back the back eight play in their home uh, arenas. That's that's well, why. Well, that, well, there you go. You get you know get another game in there. You know, I so I had thought eight for years, which was the five, the top five power fives. Okay. And so the conference champions are the power five. And then you have two at-large bids. And then you have the, the group of five team. Okay. And so whether that's Houston or UCF or, or Memphis or, you know, one of those teams that's good, and they all play it out and duke it out. And then you, everybody has a legitimate shot um, to win a national championship, whether you go to, you know, to play football at Houston or you play football at, Auburn or whatever, you have a chance to win it all. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I wanted to see. But I think, you know, 12 is not necessarily a bad thing either. Um, and with their buys and playing at home fields and whatnot, I think they're, they're trying to do some kind of, you know, dichotomy between playoff and keeping the bowls. And that's gotten trickier and trickier as they expand it. We'll let you go with this. How's your Big Ten schedule looking? Do you have any Illinois games that you're aware of on the schedule? I do, yeah, in September, though, unfortunately, i got to do that, that Chicago's Big Ten team a couple times, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, so I'll do a couple Northwestern games. I think I'm on the schedule right now for Charlotte, which I think is October 2nd. Um, so, yeah, I'll do that one. Don't know if I'll do any other Illinois games after that, but hopefully. So uh, I think, I think uh, Fox actually has this game. Yes. coming up on uh, Saturday, and so uh, they'll have their number one team. I mean, it's the number, kind of the number one game in the country that week. So I was supposed to be in Ireland, and now it's here, so let's make the most of it. We'll talk to you along the way. Appreciate your time, as always. Thanks, Jay. All right. Take care, guys. You Bye-bye. bet. Jay Lehman with us from BTN at 1018. We'll take a break and be back with more. We'll have the phone line open if you'd like to join us. Online I Pella, Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. Ten twenty, line I Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. With the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Text line open as well on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5387. That's been kind of active uh, this morning. We had one uh, texter say, remember all the fans that came out for the uh, North Carolina yep. game early for Lovey Smith, but then the interest faded. Illini fans are hungry for success, no doubt about that. They didn't get it that day, did they? Didn't get it that day, and the game was over quickly. Mitch Trubisky was Trubisky. the quarterback you for You suppose they had the Chicago Bears scouts down here? I don't know. I don't exactly remember <laughs> him tearing things up, but they no. they, they, they uh, certainly put it on the Illini. But that was a great – that's the last – not the last, but the most recent one in my memory of a great atmosphere – 
going into a, an Illinois game. It was a night game, and uh, you know, early in the season, great weather. What's What's happened during this this period is that Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, and to, and to an extent, Minnesota have got their stuff together. They they're they're just about playing as good as you're going to have those programs play. Wisconsin is again ranked. Iowa's ranked. I mean, I don't know how good Minnesota is going to be this year, but uh, I think Flex got things going pretty good. Even I mean, I don't think number one thing. I don't think you can go back to last year when you had the COVID problems. Even even Illinois. I mean, the games that that uh, Illinois players had to sit out last year, not because they had the virus, but because they were connected with somebody that did. You know, and they had to sit out games. I mean, Peters, I think, was that way. And and I think that uh, Minnesota in particular was, was troubled by the virus. And so I'm not going to, you know, you're going to say, well, he had a such and such record. Well, so what? It's back to normal, more normalcy this year. But uh, Illinois is up against a bunch of programs in that West Division that, yes, we should be able to play against com- uh, competitively, but they're not going to back down. They're there. They're playing as good as they can play. They've got good coaches, long-term coaches, and uh, at, at least at, at the Northwestern and Wisconsin. And and, uh, and when I say a long-term coach at Wisconsin, it goes all the way back to – they're still playing the Alvarez football. And, uh, and you know, and, and of course, uh, Iowa, they're just as solid as they can be. Defensively, they're one of the best teams in the country. Illinois is not the only – Big Ten team opening with a Big Ten opponent. It's the only one next week. But in week one of the uh, college football season, Ohio State opens at Minnesota. Indiana is at Iowa. Huge game. Michigan State is at Northwestern. And another potentially huge game is Penn State at Wisconsin. Right out of the gate. Well, that's huge. I mean, again, those those games against the, the Eastern Division really count. I mean, it depends on who you play over there, doesn't it? But now Indiana's got to be pretty good, and I'm I'm kind of interested to see how Maryland plays this year because Illinois is going to find out. But um, it's about time for them to bounce back a little bit, I think. Yeah, that game is, if you've looked at the schedule, you know, is on a Friday night, the mm-hmm. Maryland game in Champaign at yeah. eight o'clock. I wonder uh, if if the game was this Friday night, who would be favored in that game? Of course, we'll know a lot more by the time that comes, but. Uh, It'd be a toss-up. It would. Let's go to the phones. Al and Fisher is with us. Go ahead, Al. Yeah, good morning, guys. It's football time. Looking forward to it. Finally, after getting rid of Lovey, uh, five years of disaster. But uh, don't forget to mention Indiana, and they're, they're, they've kind of done a pretty nice job under Tom Allen as well. Oh, yeah. Well, the reason I didn't uh, mention them is because they're in the other division. I was just talking about the teams that Illinois plays every year. They're just all so solid right now. But Indiana's really come a long way back. You're right. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about how come Illinois football hasn't done so good the last 20, 30, 40 years. It's all because of the coaching hires. I mean, look at the hires that we that we made, Lauren and Steve. Uh, look at what they did before they got to Illinois, and more importantly, look at what they did after they left Illinois. So uh, the writing's on the wall that, we weren't going to be very good under those hires. And let's take a scenario that, let's say we had John McEvick for 20 years and Mike White for 20 years. Would we be talking about this situation today? Probably not. Um, 
So it goes back to hiring of coaches, and we've done a poor job of that, and I think Josh has it right this time, but it just took too long to get here. But anyway, um, 50-year season ticket holder, I'm and, and finally excited again about Illinois football because I think Brett Bielema gets it. And uh, so anyway, I hope the fans turn out, and, and I expect a pretty exciting football game next Saturday. So anyway, those are my comments. If we could head back a bit and wipe for 20 and 20, like Hayden and Kurt Ferentz, we wouldn't be talking like this today. So anyway, su- let's look forward, guys. Al, were you surprised? Were you surprised with the hire of Brett Bielma? Um, n- not really. Uh, I knew he was going to go out and make a splash. Uh, uh, no more secret flying to Tampa and hiring a, a head NFL football coach that's been fired several times. But no, it, it, it's, I think it's a fantastic hire and. Uh, just look at what he's done with the high school coaches and look at the response that he's getting in year one. Uh, I think it bodes well for the future. And, and, and uh, so, you know, I'm excited about it again. I hope I can live several more years to enjoy it. So, yeah. anyway, thanks for taking my call, guys, and go, let's go, Illini. Okay, appreciate the call. I, thanks, I think Al. absolutely he's taking the right approach, and, uh, Steve, with the, with the Illinois high school uh, players and, and getting tighter with the Illinois high school coaches. The thing is, can we just get through these next few years and not lose so much along the way? I mean, next year, a year from now, is really going to be tough. Next year was supposed to be this year. I know. I know. <laughs> and then That's they got exactly the, right. They got the extra year added for all those guys. And uh, so maybe maybe that helps. Uh, certainly you would think it would help Brett Bielman in year number one to have that much experience. Guys that have played, mm-hmm. you know, you can, I suppose this is another debate of, you know, how good are they, how many of them would play on other Big Ten teams. It doesn't matter at this point. They've played a lot of games together, well, especially on the offensive line. A 22- and a 23-year-old player should be better than a 19-year-old player. I mean, that's just – guys get better. Hopefully, we, they get a lot better. I have a text here uh, regarding the tents and structures going up outside yeah. the stadium that you may have noticed. Yeah. Wants to know about the white tents in lot 31. If this lot is for vehicles, why so many tents? Don't have the answer to that, but uh, we'll look into it and try to find that for you. But there are a lot of things. Uh, yeah, there's something going on over there. Being put up there for the uh, Grange Grove area and outside across the street, across First Street there, for the tailgating coming up next week. It is 1028 WDWS Champaign Urbana. We're going to talk some more football and some Olympics as well with Pat Forty from uh, Sports Illustrated. That'll be next here on DWS. Welcome back to Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. This is Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate. We're with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Our next guest is from Sports Illustrated. Pat Forty joins us on the telephone uh, Back from covering yet another Olympics, Pat, is this, am I correct in saying this was the ninth Olympics games that you had covered? That's correct. And this one was a little unique in the fact that uh, your daughter, Brooke, was participating on the swimming side. Talk a little, about, a little bit about uh, how that, uh, those two items went together. You were covering the Olympics in which your daughter was appearing. Yeah, a pretty uh, incredible set of circumstances, really, especially when you consider that there were no fans allowed, and so no other parents, really, of Olympians got to go. So I was very fortunate to be in a position, thanks to my job, where I could be there. Um, 
you know, it was the thrill of a lifetime, obviously. I mean, to have a child who's an Olympian is an incredible feat and incredible honor. And I was so proud of her and happy for her. And, and then just to be there and watch her uh, be able to compete and, and to, for her to come home with a silver medal uh, as an Olympic swimmer uh, on a relay, an American relay, and just to see her wear the, the Stars and Stripes cap with her name on it was a big honor. And just the kind of thing that uh, you can dream about, but uh, it still even now seems a little bit surreal that it actually happened. You talked about uh, it being a thrill of a lifetime. Was it also maybe one of your harder assignments to cover? Well, yeah. I mean, fortunately, like when she was actually competing, I I was not working that night. I mean, I was there. I was in the press seating because there was nowhere else to sit. They weren't going to let anybody let you sit anywhere else. Um, But, you know, I didn't have to actually write on her race and I didn't have to, you know, do a real actual interview. I ran down to the interview area and saw her and got to, you know, have that happy moment with her. But, uh, you know, it was it was very strange to be there with a with a media credential around my neck and to be in the press tribune, as they call it at the Olympics, uh, and and to be inside just cheering my guts out for my daughter. Well, Pat, this is Lauren. Tell more, tell us more about that race and and uh, uh, it's a four by two hundred. Two hundred is a pretty long race for one person. I mean, has she always been a pretty good distance swimmer? She has all of her best events. You know, she's won NCAA championships in the 500 freestyle and the 400 individual medley. So, you know, the harder tends to be the better for her. Um, so, that, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise she made the Olympic team in this event. They take six for the relays, and, you know, she, she was seated 15th going to Olympic trials. So she no really did a great job, yeah, just to put herself on the team. Uh, and then, you know, on this relay, she was on the prelim relay, and then they were going to change the order you know change the lineup for the finals and she anchored which was a you know bit of a, a, a responsibility and a little nerve-wracking there but she did a great job swam her fastest time of her life uh held off the chinese the united states won its heat and then went and finished second um in the finals and she did not swim in the final uh katie ledecky of all people took her place <laughs> which you would certainly understand that uh, and Katie did an incredible job anchoring to move them up really from fourth to second to, to get them on the medal podium. Well, I guess we'll switch over to football because uh, I'm told that you're coming to the Illinois-Nebraska game. Is that correct? That's correct, Lauren. Uh, looking forward to it. You know, shoot, as you know, I was I was in Champaign last year when there was no football. I was ready for that opener they were going to have last year on a Thursday night. It didn't happen. And I went and did a story on what's a college town like when – we know would normally just be brimming with excitement and enthusiasm for that big season opener. Now I get to actually go in and, and there's a game. And to me, it's a really interesting game just with the, with Brett Bielema now in charge at Illinois and with Scott Frost at a, at a real crossroads for Nebraska. Well, we got an older team and a younger coaching staff. How does that mesh? How's that going to turn out? Do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be, uh, I think a bit of a revelation just to see what Illinois looks like. Uh, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, there's always enthusiasm and optimism. But, you know, I think in this instance, Bielema at least brings an identity, a strategic identity, brings a Big Ten cachet, and brings a personality. Um, and, you know, Lovey Smith had a lot of great attributes, but I don't think he galvanized a lot of people to, to really be excited or interested in uh, – 
Illinois football, and I think Bielema has a chance to do that. So from that standpoint, I find that really interesting. And then Nebraska, you know, on paper they look like they should be better, but they've, they've been bad. I mean, on, better on paper means what exactly? Does that mean you're maybe 6-6 six and six or, or better than that? And now with the NCAA issues looming over that program, it's one more uh, thing that's kind of put uh, Scott Frost on the hot seat. Talking with Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. Big game, given the fact that it's the first game. Those are always big, but this is a conference game. A lot on the line for both these programs with Illinois with a new coach and uh, Scott Frost, as you mentioned, maybe uh, approaching the hot seat if not already on it. And this uh, NCAA news this week doesn't make it uh, any cooler for him, does it? No, not at all. I mean, that's, you know... A major situation seems like there, and and nobody's really refuting what happened. So from that standpoint, uh, it's it, I think this is going to be hard for Nebraska to say we did nothing wrong. I, you know, the the suggestion seems to be that they certainly did. Now, how how severe? Who was involved? Who knew what? Scott Frost kind of tried to kick it upstairs. It sounded like saying he didn't do anything that wasn't approved. Uh, so Bill Moose, the former athletic director, maybe that's a reason he's the former athletic director. I think a lot of people thought Moose had a couple of years left in him, and and he resigned fairly abruptly this summer. So there might be a relation there, uh, and then we're going to see, you know, what exactly the the uh, you know repercussions could be. I know this: the NCAA has multiple investigations ongoing of programs that skirted the rules during COVID, as far as practices or recruiting or whatever. And I think the association in general and a lot of member schools took a very dim view of people who didn't take the uh, pandemic and the lockdown that came with it seriously. And so I think those are things the NCAA is going after very aggressively. And I think that's going to be a theme to watch, you know, in the next year or so as these cases resolve themselves. Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, other conferences uh, discussing what they may or may not do. How do you think this all plays out? Uh, boy, I don't know. I mean, but that's, you know, I mean, this is one of the biggest, developments that we've seen in college athletics i think texas and oklahoma going to the sec here and and the repercussions could be massive you know is it do we reduce the size of fbs does it become a power five thing only is the ncaa basketball tournament collateral damage in this does the ncaa itself survive as a governing body uh you know what what does the Big Ten do? What does the Pac-12 do? What does the ACC do? Can the Big 12 survive? I mean, there's just so many questions that spin off of this, and I don't think we have any answers yet. I can understand the uh, the reasons why these other conferences are looking at an alliance, whatever that may mean. Is, is it scheduling? Is it TV pooling? What you know? What what exactly are they trying to do? But I don't blame other people for looking and saying the SEC has made this has destabilized everything we need to respond i know i'm sure jim phillips down there at uh, as commissioner of the acc is trying to bring together the pac-12 and the big 10 and some kind of a coalition to at least uh make it more difficult for the sec i'm the sec is going to dominate in any case but they're going to do what they can to, to i think probably in scheduling don't you is that is that their main idea to maybe schedule top games among those conferences and are they going to try to shut out the SEC? Well, maybe, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, the irony of that, Lauren, too, is if you are to, like the SEC has maybe its best non-conference schedule ever, I think, this year. You know, I mean, you, you've you got 
Alabama playing Miami. You've got LSU going to UCLA. You have Auburn going to Penn State. All these complaints about, oh, the SEC never leaves the South. Well, here they are. They're going and they're playing these big, high-profile games. Texas A&M's going to play Colorado. Uh, Mississippi State's playing North Carolina State. Missouri's playing at Boston College. So you've got these these cool intersectional games, and it would be pretty interesting if the SEC basically – nukes itself out of these sort of things by by this uh, kind of aggressive maneuver. And maybe other conferences say we're not going to schedule you. I, I don't know what the reaction there will be. But, uh, you know, I, I don't blame the other leagues, though, for looking at the SEC as a hostile threat to them at this point. Well, let's get back to Nebraska. It seems like so much has happened uh, lately. Their scheduling has been particularly difficult in within the Big Ten and you might remember last year when the Big Ten uh, hesitated to play. They wanted to play anyway. Um, you know, they wanted apparently to drop the Oklahoma game. They uh, Now we have these uh, NCAA violations at a time when the team was, what, 9-17 and 17 in the Big Ten under Frost. Where do they go from here? And by the way, is this, is this a means to start over without Frost at some point? Well, it could be. You know, I mean, that's the with he's got a new boss, uh, Trev Alberts, and a lot of people, including myself, look and say, "Well, that's a a '90s Osborne guy who's going to cover for another '90s Osborne guy." But this may be hard to cover, and Trev Alberts comes in with considerable ego of his own and may just say, "I'm going to I'm going to make my own hire, and we're going to do things our own way." Because Scott Frost isn't getting it done. Um, but you know, Nebraska, yeah, I, I mean, they're they're. Big Ten membership has been a crashing underachievement and disappointment, really. You know, they have not performed well in football. It's gotten worse and worse. Uh, they were a very whiny uh, league member, I thought, last year, kind of sounding entitled without ever having really contributed anything to the league. Uh, and I, I think that they just came across as a bit tone-deaf and entitled and, and, and feeling like they deserve more than they've earned up to this point. So I, you know, I, I don't think anybody else around the Big Ten is is all that enamored with Nebraska. I'm not saying you kick them out of the conference, but there's less and less reason to like what they uh, are bringing to the league because they haven't brought much. Talking to Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated, we'll leave you with this. I'm curious when you decide what game to cover during the course of a college football or basketball season. Uh, with this game, uh, Illinois and Nebraska in particular, when you come to town to cover that, do you come? knowing exactly what you're going to write about? Do you let the, let the game play out, or do you have uh, your story uh, ideas or angles all firmed up, or how, how does it all come about? You know, that, well, it's a good question. I, I, I like prefer to walk in with a little bit of an open mind as far as what the story is going to be, because you just don't know, and that's, of course, part of the joy of sports and covering sports is you, you go into a gym or into an arena or a stadium and you don't know what's going to happen. You may think you know, and a lot of times it'll play out like you think, but a lot of times it doesn't, and the stories that pop up are great. In this instance, you know, I mean, the context, I think, pretty well defines. It's, it's, it is a new era with Brett Bielema. That's the story angle on the Illinois side, and it's Scott Frost at a crossroads uh, with a fading power program at Nebraska. So the, those are the two overarching elements. Now, where does the game fall within that? That's what you got to wait and see and decide then, what, what, what am I writing? Where am I going with this thing? We're, everybody in town is so confused about what to expect. I mean, I think a lot of people think, well, Illinois will be better just because they got a new staff and they got a lot of older players. I don't suppose any team in the country has got 40 seniors, do they? I mean, that, that figure into this thing. they got 22 super seniors and 18 seniors. They're not 
may have lost one or two by injury since then, but it's an amazing thing to have this many, and yet everybody in the country, when they vote, when the Athletic voted, I think 18 people voted for Ohio State, and they voted Illinois last in the Big Ten. And this is an Illinois team that beat Nebraska last year. Why is it just the tradition that that caused everybody to doubt Illinois? Well, I think so. You got to see it done on the field before you're willing to. I think to in August, to, you know, say yeah, they're they're going to be a lot better. Um, if you look, I mean, there's a reason why the, the top five teams in the preseason poll are the top five teams basically from last year. Yeah. You know, it's carryover. So, and it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be that way, but that people tend to think based on what they just saw. And what we saw from Illinois last year was pretty disappointing. Obviously it cost Lovey Smith his job and, you know, you go two and six and uh, there just isn't a lot of recent success to make you say, oh, that Illinois is going to be a contender or going to be better. Yeah, I think they, they have to prove it. They've got to show it. And fortunately that's why preseason polls aren't worth very much because, you know, they, they, once they start playing, everybody should basically start over in terms of how they view a conference. Pat, when I watch uh, Coward or most of the shows on TV, everybody talks about pro quarterback. Everybody talks about quarterback. So when I start to bring up Martinez, that comes to my mind. Am I just going to be the same thing? Is, is, is the only person on the field the quarterback? He wasn't on the field when we started that game last year. And uh, they benched him, and that didn't work out so well. Illinois won the game handily, but previously when he played – he really dominated. What would you expect out of uh, Martinez? I believe is a fifth. Is this a fifth year, Steve? Yeah. He's a fifth year quarterback for them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's been around. It seems like forever. Uh, at the very least, it's four years. He may he may have done a redshirt year too. And you know, to me, he's kind of just been the same guy for most of the last couple of years. He's just you know he's he's okay. I, I don't look at him and say he's that great. If I think and I think in Nebraska feels the same way, or they wouldn't have tried to play McCaffrey as much as they did last year. Uh, his passing is probably subpar. Uh, his rushing is pretty good. You know, he's pretty dynamic with his legs, but you don't see a lot of, you know, super, I, I, I don't think, high caliber throwing from him. Uh, his numbers are not great. His, certainly his efficiency rating is not great. So uh, I, I don't think that Adrian Martinez is a, a next level quarterback at all, and I'm not sure he's good Big Ten quarterbacks. So if I, I mean, if I'm Illinois going to this game, I'm not scared that scared of Adrian Martinez. Obviously, you want to try to contain his mobility as best you can, but I don't think he beats you with his arm. Back to the original topic, real quick. One more question about your daughter Brooke. What's next for her? Um, she's a super senior at Stanford. It will be. She's going back for her fifth year and is going to swim one more year and get her master's while she's doing it in epidemiology. And, uh, you know, they, it's obviously last year on campus was no fun for anybody on any campus, but Stanford maybe least of all. And so I think she's really looking forward to having hopefully a relatively normal, fun college senior year. I, I wanted to ask about Stanford since you brought it up. Um, how many sports do they have there? And did they wind up taking all the sports back? That, or, I mean, did, they, did they drop any sports ultimately? They did not. They 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 were going to drop eleven. They retained them all, which means they have thirty-seven, which I think might be the most in the nation. <laughs> I guess oh, thirty-seven. Okay, Illinois got nineteen. We got half as many. <laughs> hey, Pat, thank you for coming on with us. By the way, tell us where you are. You going to be in Georgia this weekend? Uh yeah, we're just going for a little family getaway Good uh, for this you. weekend. My my 
my son lives down there, and so we're we're just going to have the last weekend before football season. Might as well make it make use of it. Well, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you uh, next weekend in Champaign. Thanks, Pat. All right. Thank you, guys. That's Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. We'll take a timeout at 1047 and have an open line the rest of the way if you'd like to join us right here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We've got about 10 minutes left if you'd like to get in, 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk had a text asking about uh, pregame activities in order to find out what's going on uh, there. You can go to fightingillini.com and learn more about that, but I can tell you some of the things. Uh, they'll have entertainment, live entertainment in Grange Grove. The Marching Illini will pop through there. The Illini Walk, by the way, will come through there as well. It will not go all the way around the stadium like it has in previous years, but uh, the team uh, will arrive on a bus, I would guess, uh, right uh, outside of Grange Grove, and then walk right through Grange Grove into over to the uh, locker rooms. There'll be live entertainment going on there. There'll be a kid zone down in the end zone where Lauren will be uh, punting, passing, and kicking <laughs> with, <laughs> with the youngsters. There'll be a varsity eye autograph tent where they'll have uh, former players back uh, from all sports. And a lot of guys back uh, this coming week or next Saturday from the uh, 2001 Big Ten Championship team, including Ron Turner, who was on with us this morning, and uh, Kurt Kidner as well. We'll be down for that. Then uh, our pregame radio coverage will uh, begin and be located outside in Grange Grove as well. Lauren and I will have Illini uh, Pella Saturday Sports Talk at the regular time of 9. Then Illini Game Day next week begins at 10 outside in Grange Grove and uh, takes you right on through the, the game and the postgame and a long day of football coverage coming up next week. Yeah, you know... Um I think back to that 2001 team, and uh, Tony Pasos and Deal. Dave Deal was actually the sixth man in the, in the offensive line that year. He played for different different positions, and uh, whoever was having trouble or whoever was hurt, he filled in, and he became one of the great uh, linemen in Illinois history in the NFL, and as did Pasos. And uh, they, you know, they they had some. They brought. Uh, I, Brought up uh, this morning, we talked about Walter Young came in as a quarterback, wound up being a tremendous receiver and played in the NFL. And, and of course, Lewis, they were both from rich schools. I don't yep. remember Rich East or Rich Central. Well, one was Rich East and one was Rich, rich South. South, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, there was just a lot of talent on that ball club. Kulaga was a great guard. I mean, uh, Brandon Moore came out of Gary, Indiana, and was nobody knew about him and and he became an outstanding player it was I just that was a much better maybe better team than we even realized at the time because we're still disappointed at that lsu final <laughs> game in the bowl walter young was rich east greg lewis rich south aaron moorhead came from deerfield illinois yeah so yeah. a lot of good guys as on a walk-on rocky His harvey dad was the coach for the bears All right rocky harvey out of chicago dunbar Oh, Antonio yeah. Harris oh, yeah. from Bolingbrook. Yeah. A lot of Illinois guys there. Dave Deal, as you mentioned, from Brother Rice. Of course, Kittner. Kittner. Tony Pachos from Lockport. Budkus from uh, Steger, Illinois. They're a little different, all those players from the state of Illinois. Right. Wasn't that terrific? Jerry Schumacher, linebacker. And, and he brought up the point. We had some guys from St. Louis. We had some guys from Gary, Indiana. There were, but, but you could almost consider those like Illinois players in that they're you know, on the border and – 
and uh, it was a it was a local team. Eugene a, Wilson from uh, Maryville, Indiana. Yeah, played a long time in the NBA or the uh, NFL. Christian Morton from St. Louis. Yeah. Gary Davis from St. Louis. Yeah. Bobby Jackson from Oregon. Well, Bobby Jackson was from here <laughs> because <laughs> right. his dad was on the coaching staff. Right. But uh, you're right. He, he, he that's where he went to high school. Let's uh, take a call here, and Bill is calling from Ogden. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, I want to know about the uh, who the backup quarterback is because the quarterback can get hurt any time. Well, it's clearly uh, it's clearly Art uh, Sitkowski, the transfer from Rutgers. From Rutgers, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Although, you know, we haven't we haven't seen practice, but I I think Robinson, uh, Matt Robinson, is in there pretty tight, and and um, Johnson, who is a transfer from Northern Michigan. Is also uh, that th- those are the top four. We know that because he said that. The coach said that. But uh, the two, uh, the t- the last two recruits, Span and and Collier, are five and six, as far as I can tell. That's a good question, Bill, because well, it's uh, al- it's always good to know the backup quarterback. Yeah. And, and the same thing about the running backs is uh, Epstein. I mean, is a Col- Colbert or is the, is the uh, first string? What's that Chase, Chase Brown. Brown, yeah, Chase, Chase Brown, Brown and, oh, and right, Chase yeah. Hayden are one too. It looks like, and now right. Epstein will get I his shot. Want, I also want to know about this five five man front, and we're going to play man to man on the outside and try to squeeze the pocket. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't let Martinez run. I'd make him pass just like that that four guy said. I mean, try to keep him in the pocket and make him beat us by the pass. I mean, isn't that basically the plan? Well, I I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think you always want to stop the run, make them, force them to pass. The only problem in the past is when we force them to pass, they complete them. <laughs> I don't, I think our pass defense has not been great for years. Hey, Bill, appreciate the call. Right. Thank you. Need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back with some final words after this here on DWS. A couple of minutes left on Lanai Pillow Saturday Sports Talk. With the game uh, starting at noon next week, we will be on our regular time at 9 o'clock, but we'll be doing just an hour as part of our pregame coverage in that uh, scenario. So it'll be sports talk from uh, 9 to 10. And our pregame coverage continues with the Line game day at 10 o'clock, network pregame at 11, and the kick at 12.20. What's the most overlooked aspect of our coverage so far i'm going to answer that okay go ahead kicker and punter we got i think we know what we have there very best you know and they could you know when the game is actually played that could be a bit you say they're going to kick it off who's going to kick it off (laughs) (laughs) i think we know the answer to that with uh, james mccourt and yeah mccloud and hayes are are two of the best in the country mccourt i think mccourt yeah yeah you know, I knew a guy way back named McLeod, and I get I wanted. I Dennis Weaver name. played McLeod on TV. Remember that back in the day? Yeah, well, that's another one too. <laughs> McCourt. Yep, and Blake Hayes, of course. That's going to take care of things on uh, this edition of the show. We appreciate uh, you listening. Thanks to Ron Turner, Jeremy Werner, Colin Lycus, Jay Lehman, and Pat Forty for appearing as guests. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer, and a gentleman that helps us screen the calls on the show. 
on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For all the aforementioned folks, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.